Hello and welcome. You're listening to Radio Maria. This broadcast was taken from New Dawn in Walsingham, 2023. We hope you enjoy it. This is being broadcast on Radio Maria England. So listeners from around the country are going to be just like you, learning about this group, learning how to be involved and how to take action as well. Sarah and Ben and Isabel, has been running March for Life for, in the UK for nine years now. It has expanded from being an annual event to becoming, to becoming an all-year-round movement, which incorporates various training days, public witness events, as well as outlined content. Ben and Sarah live in the Midlands with three children. Isabel lives with her sister and one of her brothers. Isabel, Ben, and Sarah are lifelong Catholics and love helping others discuss the pro-life cause in a meaningful and compassionate way. And I think we're all here wanting to also speak about pro-life manners in a meaningful way. So, uh, Ben, if you can come up, let's do a little prayer for you guys. Not a little prayer, we're going to pray. And listeners, I invite you to pray over Ben and Isabel as well. Come, Holy Spirit, bring... Bring Ben and Isabel the words you want to share. Continue to give them the strength and energy to continue to speak for those lives that are yet to speak. Continue to give them the energy and the love to continue fighting for the lives that have yet to fight for others. Lord, support them in what they're doing. Support the people that they're supporting. And open the ears and hearts of those in this workshop today. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All right, take it away, guys. Thank you so much, and what a lovely introduction. Um, So, um, as has just been shared, I'm I'm Isabel, one of the co-directors of March for Life. So in this workshop, Rethink Abortion, we're going to learn a little bit about um, how to talk about abortion. And I'm just going to ask for a show of hands here. Has anyone here ever intentionally avoided talking about abortion? Because I'm going to have to say that on the odd occasion, that's me. (laughs) What about, has anyone had a conversation about abortion and it's turned into a very heated argument? And I'm going to have to also confess yes to this one. Yeah? Okay. Great, this workshop's definitely for you, but it's, it is for all of us. And I want to share uh, an idea that there is another way. We don't have to avoid talking about abortion. We don't have to have heated arguments. We can actually have constructive conversations, even with people who disagree with us on abortion. One of the key things is that we need to direct the narrative. So, so often we let the other person, whoever they might be, direct the narrative, and that might come from a good place, Um, and it's not that we want to be control freaks, but we know where we're going with this conversation, or at least we will after this workshop, Um, so we need to take back a little bit more direction. I'm just going to move that. Um, And what we need to do is we really need to get to the heart of this issue about abortion, and hopefully by the end of this workshop you'll understand what I mean by that. So we sometimes call this the ABC of abortion. So what we're going to do in this workshop is we're going to rethink the issue of abortion ourselves. So hopefully clarify it in our own minds. 
We're going to rethink the conversations that we have with other people and how we have those conversations and hopefully be in a better place to help others rethink the idea of abortion um, or maybe even think about it for the first time if they haven't yet. So if I'm asking people to rethink their conversations, what's wrong with their conversations to start with? Well, I'm going to explain now. So often, when we talk about abortion, it starts with something like this. Somebody might say, oh, you know, you're a Catholic or you're a Christian or you're pro-life, so you think if, you know, if a woman gets raped and becomes pregnant, she should be forced to continue a pregnancy that she doesn't want? Or, you know, so if you think if a 10-year-old gets pregnant, she has to have that baby? Or, you know, you're a man, it's nothing to do with you. Or, or do you think we should go back to the back streets? Now, what all these things have in common, all these maybe sort of more challenging and meaty questions or comments, I call them all point C questions, and I'm going to explain what I mean. These are all really meaningful things to discuss, but before we can discuss any of these you know, topics to do with abortion, you know, it, what about if the mother's life's in danger, what about if the baby has a disability, all those kind of things, before we do that, we have to first discuss point A. What is point A? Point A is, what does it mean to be pregnant? And ultimately, if you and I don't agree on what it means to be pregnant, we are never going to have a meaningful conversation on abortion. If you and the person you're talking to, family member, friend, stranger, work colleague, whoever they might be, if you don't agree on what it means to be pregnant, there's no point going any further because you are going to be wasting your time. Trust me, I've wasted my time a lot of, on a lot of occasions doing that. So when someone starts a conversation, maybe, like I say, asking you, you know, but what about rape? Or, um, you know, maybe they've heard something on the news about somebody who found out their baby was, you know, it didn't have long to live, and so they aborted it. And, you know, and that starts a conversation. The key thing to recognize to start with is, ah, that's point C. And that's what I want you to take away from today is recognizing so often when that conversation starts, that it is started at point C. And from then on, to make a big effort not to get distracted. We have to initially get that conversation back to point A. And we need to do it in a respectful manner. So if someone says, and I'm going to use the example of rape just because that's quite a common one and quite a, you know, sometimes one that some pe people consider quite challenging and is often people's exception to why they allow abortion. Um, so if someone were to say, well, you know, but what about rape? If a woman's raped um, and becomes pregnant, surely abortion should be allowed in those circumstances. Now, it's really important we don't dismiss that question. We don't say something like, oh, well, you know, you would pick up the 0.01% of why abortions happen. You know, we don't make sarcastic comments. We respect them and we respect the question that they've asked. Maybe they've been through that terrible trauma themselves. Maybe someone close to them has, or maybe they just really have a heart for that issue. And that's great that they have a heart for that. So, as I say, our first comment shows some respect to whatever question or comment they've made. So we say something like, you know, that's a really good question to ask, or that's a really interesting point to make, that's a really important point you've brought up. But in order to do it justice, we need to go back a little bit and first look at what does it mean to be pregnant? So what would your thoughts be on that? Okay, so they ask their point C question, whatever it might be, we show some respect to that question, we acknowledge it, we don't look like we're trying to ignore it, 
but we, we show them that in order to do it justice, we need to go back a little bit and look at what does it mean to be pregnant, and we pose that question. Okay? Now, when we pose that question, what are we likely to hear is the answer. Well, firstly, what we're hoping to hear is the correct answer, which is, well, you know, to be pregnant at conception, a genetically complete, unique individual human being is created, which is distinct from both mother and father. Now, I really doubt someone's going to come back at you with all that information. <laughs> I would be really shocked if they did. But what we want them to acknowledge is the humanity of that child, of that baby, of that person, okay? So what, that's the key thing we're looking for, somebody to acknowledge the humanity of the, of the child. And I have to say, I've asked this question many, many times to many, many people. And actually, surprisingly, that is the most common thing you hear, even amongst people who support abortion, even those who are pushing for abortion. When you ask, what does it mean to be pregnant? The most common reply you get is, it means you're having a baby. It means there's a human being there. Um, so most people do get it right first time. But in order to give us confidence in asking this question, we also need to look at what else somebody might say. Of course, as I say, they might keep trying to push the question they've already said. They might say, yeah, but I want you to answer my question first. And in which case, you, you have to be polite but firm in this stage, saying, I'm not trying to avoid your question, but in order to do it justice, we do need to look at this first, okay? Because, you know, um, we want to have a meaningful conversation on abortion. So please don't allow yourself to get distracted into, an, you know, a, a further on um, point on this issue. But once we pose that question, there's four other things that we might hear when we're talking about what does it mean to be pregnant. Okay, now the first of, the first of these is we might hear somebody say, it depends. Now, in actual fact, it doesn't. It doesn't depend on anything. But that's not what we're going to say to this person because that might sound quite rude. And we're not trying to be rude, we're being respectful. Okay, so if you say, what does it mean to be pregnant? And they say, it depends. Ask them what it depends on. Now, they might say something like, it depends on what gestation of pregnancy, you know, um, whether the woman's one day pregnant or 32 weeks pregnant. Let them know you're happy to look at any variable. You don't mind whether they talk about one day pregnant or 32 weeks pregnant, because in essence, we know that it still means the same thing, that a, hum a new human being has come into existence, okay? So ultimately, if they say it depends, ask them what it depends on, and, and let them choose whatever different point they want. And then we just come back to that question again. So what do you think it means to be pregnant? The next thing that they might say in answer to what does it mean to be pregnant, they might answer, but in a way not actually answer the question. And I'm going to explain what I mean with this. So they might say something like, well, it means there's a potential life there, or there's a potential baby. Now, I want to draw your attention to the word potential. Potential is what something could be in the future. Maybe if you continue on that trajectory that you're on, you might be in the future, but it's not what you are now. So if I were to say I'm a med student, which I'm not, <laughs> if I were to say that, then you might be able to say, well, potentially I'm a nurse, potentially I'm a doctor. But if you have a heart attack, I'm not qualified to deal with you because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nurse. I'm just a med student, which I'm not. <laughs> um, so by using the word potential, we're actually also saying what somebody isn't. If I say, you know, potentially you're X, Y, Z, I'm also saying you're not that. Otherwise, I would just call you that. So if someone says it's a potential life, 
again, respectfully draw their attention to the word they've used. Say, so potential is what something could be in the future. And I really wanted to know what you think it means now for somebody to be pregnant. You know, what do you actually think about that? Okay, so, so you know, again, don't be rude about the comment that they've said. Um, they may have not, maybe just not thought that through. But in a way, it is avoiding the question. And another way of avoiding the question or not answering it is they could talk more about the effects of pregnancy rather than what the actual pregnancy is. And this is often done in a negative way from my experience and sometimes even in a sarcastic way. So somebody might say, when you say, what does it mean to be pregnant? They might say, oh, well, it means nine months of feeling sick and having to buy a whole new wardrobe of clothes. Well, that's their take on what it means for a mother. And again, we show some respect to what they've said. So we say something like, now that, that's a really good point, or that's worth discussing, you know, the effects of pregnancy on the mother. But what I really wanted to know is what it actually means to be pregnant. What actually is pregnancy? So keep bringing it back to that question. Remember what I said at the beginning about not allowing yourself to be distracted by these other points that they've brought up. You know, you might think, oh, that's negative, you know, and you wanted to talk about why they're being so negative. Don't allow yourself at this stage to do that. Keep focusing on what does it mean to be pregnant. Now, the third way of um, answering that question, they might maybe disguise the truth, maybe intentionally or, or unintentionally. So they might say something like, to start with, um, if you say, what does it mean to be pregnant? They might say, well, it means um, that a woman has a fetus or an embryo inside her. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's not disguising the truth because that's correct. And, and in one way, you could say, yes, it is correct. But from my experience, when somebody use, says an embryo or a fetus, they're actually generally saying that to try and disguise the humanity of the child. And our job here is to try and reawaken or awaken for the first time their recognition of the humanity of the child. Now, it might be that they're a doctor or something and they're so used to using the word fetus, they don't think anything of it. But it is really important that we don't allow that to be the final answer. So if you ask what it means to be pregnant and somebody says it means that, well, someone's having a fetus, we would say, what kind of fetus? And when you say that, you normally get somebody looking at you a bit funny, like, well, what do you mean? That's great, because that's exactly what I want them to ask. So if they say, what do you mean? I then explain, and that gives, gives you a great opportunity to explain. Well, embryo or fetus are, are terms of human development, just like a, a newborn or a toddler or a teenager or an adult. But they don't actually say what that something is. So as an example, if I were to say there's 20 adults in this tent... You might presume I'm talking about humans, and you're correct, but that statement could mean 20 adult gorillas. You haven't told, said you know, what species they are, and that's really what we're looking for here. So I explain that to the person I'm talking to, and then I say, so I presume you're talking about a human fetus or a human embryo. And they, of course, go, well, yeah, you know, normally thinking that's a bit of a weird thing to be saying. But from then on, whenever we use the word fetus or embryo, we use the word human in front of it. Because remember, we're awakening the humanity of this child. We're making sure that this isn't ignored. So we're happy for them to use the word fetus or embryo if they want. That's a scientific term. But they must say human embryo or human fetus. Because otherwise, we could be talking about a dolphin embryo or a dog fetus, which would make a, a whole big difference. And obviously, we're talking about human beings. 
The other way of disguising the truth, and sadly you've probably heard this yourself sometimes if you've ever talked about pro-life issues with anyone, sometimes people say, when you ask what does it mean to be pregnant, they say, oh, well, it means you've got a blob of tissue or a clump of cells or even a parasite growing inside the woman. Now, when somebody says this, I normally just simply say, and what do you think science would say? Because that's actually a very unscientific way of looking at things. And everyone's all about science nowadays, aren't they? So if someone were to say to me that I was a clump of cells, well, on one level, you could say, well, yeah, that, that is true. But it's actually being incredibly disrespectful to the complexity and order that exists within me as a human being. And even if we're talking about the first one-celled human being that's created at conception, a zygote, there is an incredible amount of order and complexity within that one-celled human being. So it isn't just a blob. It isn't just a clump. There is a lot of order and complexity there. So that, that doesn't do justice to really what we're talking about. So again, ask what science says about it, because blob and clump, that's not science. So we ask what science says and we wait for a reply. Now the last way that we might hear this question answered is we might hear the truth, but we might hear it with a caveat. So someone might say, well, a human life has started, but it's not a person. Or, well, it means there's a baby inside the mother, but it, it doesn't feel any pain. You know, or, 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 but its heart hasn't started beating yet, or its brain isn't working properly, or all those kind of comments. What we need to do here is tease out the bit that we really think is important, which is the humanity. The other part we can discuss later. So um, again, we show some respect to that other comment that they brought up, even if we think it's inaccurate. So they might say, um, well, okay, you know, a human being's life has started, but it's not a person. We would say, well, the per personhood is a really important point to discuss, and we can come to that in a minute, but for the moment, am I correct in thinking that you believe at conception a human life has started, okay? So we just tease out that bit that we're trying to focus on at the moment and put the other bit on one side, okay? So just to go over that, someone starts at point C, whatever it might be, you know, the, 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 the rape, the disability, the fi poor finances, whatever it might be. We show some respect or acknowledge the comment or question they've made. And we then say, you know, in order to do that, that question or comment justice, we want to get back to point A, which is what does it mean to be pregnant? What do you think about that? Now, if you only go away from one thing in this workshop, that is what I want you to go away from, to start our conversations in the right place. And because I think that's so important, what I want you to do is to just get into twos with the person sitting next to you, or if, if three, if it's an even, or, um, not an even number. And Ben's going to hand out some little cards. Now, ignore the blue bit for the moment, please. We're just going to focus on the um, yellowy-orange bit and the ready-pink bit. And we're going to have that conversation with the person sitting next to you. You might not need the card. You might remember what I've said, but it's a bit of a prompt if you're struggling. So one of you be the person starting the conversation and say, you know, um, I've heard you're a Christian or, or a Catholic, you know, what about, you know, um, a mother's life being in danger? You show respect to that question. That's a really good point to bring up. That's a really interesting point, whatever you want to say. But in order to do it justice, can we just go back a bit and look at what does it mean to be pregnant? And you, 
sometimes there's a silence for quite a while when you ask that question. Don't be tempted to jump in and fill that silence, okay? Wait for the person to give their answer to that and then keep working on that answer until they get to the correct answer. As I say, it's not that we want to be controlling, but if they haven't understood what pregnancy is, any other conversation will end up being me meaningless, okay? So just practice that with the person you're talking to, learning just to be respectful um, in answering somebody's initial question, but getting it packed to point A. Um, so we got, we got some twos too. Um, recommend people to try themselves um, even if it's just literally with yourself in your head you know play play both the parts um, and I know often at least I certainly do have imaginary conversations in my head with somebody um, <laughs> I hope I'm not the only one I've just <laughs> just revealed that to the nation um, so yeah you know imagine somebody coming and asking you a question about abortion um, you know, it might be something that, you know, personally has affected them. Um, it, it might just be something they've heard on the, on the radio, on the TV. It might just be something that's on their heart, you know. Um, and how do we initially um, respond to that? Because so often we do just immediately get sucked into the conversation. Maybe particularly if we're one of these people, and this isn't me, whose head is so full of facts, you've got loads of information you want to get out. So maybe, you know... Um, they ask about something particular and you think, oh, I've got loads of great statistics to do with that or, you know, I heard a survey about that and I could recite that to them. Or even maybe I've got a personal testimony I'd like to share. All of these things can be really helpful later on, but it is really important to start with that we've done that groundwork of both being on the same page as to what it means to be pregnant. And I can say this from, from, from the hard way of, of having these conversations and it just going round and round and round in circles and not getting anywhere. And you can realize you spent half an hour talking to somebody and you haven't even agreed on the most basic thing. You know, you're just splitting from pillar to post. So some people might have found out the hard way themselves as well, having those other arguments, heated arguments, um, or just conversations that I say are going from one thing to another and not really getting anywhere. And also it does show right from the beginning whether this person that you're talking to really does want to discuss the issue or occasionally you might get somebody who does, you know, want to have a bit of an argument. And if that is the case, it's, it's maybe good to kind of tease that out to start with. So I'm just going to draw the conversations that people are having to an end. Why, why practice this in a workshop? Why, I mean, well, I can practice this at home in my mirror. Why, why in a workshop with another person? I think this actually gives us a bit of confidence talking about the issue. Um, and that's why I recommend like doing it at home. Sometimes, you know, in the spur of the moment, something can be thrust upon us and it is quite challenging. You know, it is easy to get distracted. 
having had that um, confidence of doing it in real life, it kind of gets embedded in our head, um, which is actually why we want the person we're talking to to say out loud, you know, at, at conception, um, a, a human being is present. You know, that to be pregnant means that there is a human being. They have heard themselves say that, and I just cannot say strongly enough how important that is for somebody to hear themselves say, to be pregnant means you've got a human being inside you. Yes, they might know that deep down somewhere, but to have heard themselves say that, it becomes really hard later on than to say, and it's okay to you know, dispose of this, this human being, or it becomes a lot harder, or at least it means they think a lot more about it. So I'm just going to draw the conversations that you're having to, together with it to a close for now. Obviously, I recommend practicing them again later. Okay, so hopefully in your twos or threes, you've got to the point where um, the person you're talking to has recognized the humanity of the child, which is preg um, present in every pregnancy. So that's question A answered. And as you might have guessed, particularly if you've looked at your cards, and I just ask you maybe just for the moment to not look at your cards because it can be very distracting, I think, for, for us if we're, if we're reading and listening at the same time. Um, but obviously we need to get on to point B before we can look at their point C questions. And what is point B? Well, question B is, and what does abortion do to that human or baby or... Um, you know, human embryo, whatever it was, the term that they used. Um, now, when you're saying this question, it's important that we don't put words in their mouth. So we use the same term that they used. If they said human, we said human. If they said child, we say child. So we ask, what does it mean to be pregnant? They say, ultimately, it means that there's a human being inside the woman or that she's having a baby. And we say, and what does abortion do to that baby? Now, you need to be even, even very careful with your tone of voice on this one because remember this is a very sensitive issue and it might be a very sensitive issue for people who are here today, either present or listening into this conversation. Um, we all know how deeply abortion can affect women and men. So please don't ask that in an accusatory way of, well, you know, what do you think abortion does to that baby? You know, be very gentle with your tone of voice. And of course, the, the truthful answer that we're looking for here is that every abortion, every successful abortion, ends the life, intentionally ends the life of a human being. And we're looking for that acknowledgement in, in the answer. And again, I have to say that when I've asked this question, most people do get the answer right first time. There's normally quite a pause while they think about it and while they, they think about the implications of what they're saying, but ultimately, people normally come out with the correct answer. Well, it would be dead. It has, it has been killed. It's not alive anymore. But there are four other points that somebody might make. And um, we're just going to briefly go over those. Um, thankfully, they're exactly the same categories as what we had for point A, which makes it a little bit easier to look at. So when you say, what does abortion do to that baby? They might say, it depends. And again, we know it doesn't depend Ultimately, every abortion does end the life of a human being intentionally. So we say to them, um, you know, what, what might it depend on? Because we're happy to look at any variable. They might say, oh, you know, it depends how many weeks pregnant the woman is. It depends what method of abortion she uses. You know, it depends what country she lives in. I don't know. We say we're happy to look at 
any, any variable they want. So we don't mind what stage of pregnancy they're talking about, what method of abortion they're talking about, because we know the answer will ultimately still be the same. It's almost like they're stalling for time, but they might not even realise they're doing it. So again, no disrespect to the person saying that. Another way of them answering this question is, a bit like with point A, they might answer it, but not answer it. So they might say something like, when you say, what does abortion do to that baby? They might say... Well, it's better off than it would be in the care system. Or I can tell you what not having an abortion would do to the mother. Again, we show some respect or acknowledgement of that comment that they've said. So they might, if they've said, well, it's better off than it would be in the care system, we say that is a really good point to look at, you know, the effects of growing up in care or um, the effects of not having an abortion on a woman. But before we, you know, discuss that point, I think we'd first need to look at what does abortion do to the baby? So just like we did right at the beginning, we, we acknowledge and, and respect the comment or the question that they've said, even if we don't agree with it, and bring it back to that key question of what does abortion do to the baby, okay? So we're not, trying to, we're not looking like we're trying to avoid their question. We will look at that. But first, we need to look at what abortion does to the baby. The third way that they might answer this question is they might intentionally or unintentionally, disguise the truth. Um, and one way of doing this, they might say, well, um, it, it puts the baby to sleep. Now, you might think whoever would say that, but I remember not that long ago talking to a lady I knew who was a retired midwife. She very much supported abortion, and she knew that I was pro-life. And we were having a discussion initiated by her on abortion. She believed in abortion right up until birth. And I said to her, well, as a midwife, I presume you've seen, like, you know, premature babies being born. And she said, oh, yes, that's right. And I said, you know, I presume you'd recognize that they are babies. They are humans. That was my way of almost skipping point A. And she said, absolutely, of course they're babies. Of course they're humans. And so I said, well, what do you think abortion does to that baby? And she went, oh, Isabel, it's not what you think. Abortion just gently puts them to sleep. I thought, how worrying that someone has been practicing midwifery her whole life and doesn't know the difference between sleep and death. And I actually suggest that she did know, but she was trying to make it more palatable. And sadly, at this stage, it is our job to make it real, not, not palatable. We're not trying to make something gruesome. We're not trying to make something offensive, but we do need to be truthful, okay? So again, I, I tried to be respectful and not take the mickey out of her and not make fun of her or be sarcastic. Um, so I just said, um, so obviously if somebody goes to sleep, they wake up again. Um, if someone's asleep, their heart's still beating, their body's still functioning. And we know that in abortion, this isn't the case. So, so what would you think would be the difference between a baby who's asleep and a baby who's aborted? And of course, she had to acknowledge that the baby that was aborted would have lost its life. It would be dead. Now, the last way of um, in answering this question of what does abortion do to that baby is answering correctly, but with a caveat. Again, like with the previous one, they might say, well, it will die, but it won't be aware of that. Or, you know, its life will come to an end, but at least it won't be growing up unwanted. Again, we um, show some acknowledgement of whatever that other caveat is. So we say, you know, it is really important about to look at um, the effects of growing up unwanted or... Um, it is really important to look at, you know, when a baby is sentient or when a baby feels pain or whatever other comment that they've talked about. But am I correct in thinking that you think um, 
that abortion ends the life of a baby or, or whatever term they use. You know, if they said killed a child, if they said ended the life of a human embryo, use the same words that they're using so that you can't be accused of putting words in their mouth. But just tease out the bit that we want, which is acknowledging the humanity of that child and acknowledging that that human has intentionally had their life ended through abortion. Now, I'm not going to get you to practice that for, at now because obviously this workshop's very limited. But one of the things I do want to say is that um, March for Life run what we call Rethink Abortion Days, where we look at this whole subject in a much more expansive way and we have much more chance to go over it um, you know, in interactive ways with role plays and other things that we do. Um, we've got one happening on November the 11th in London. You can check it out on our website or talk to us more about it. Um, and obviously we, we go around the country running these days in, in different places. So I would really urge you to come along to one of those if you really want to explore the subject. But that initial bit is something that you can do at home with either a friend or even just with yourself. As I say, going over those A and B and making sure that you've got a strong foundation before you move on to the point C. Now, I'm just going to pause there because um, I'm going to bring in Ben in just a second, who's very patiently waiting. Um, but I just wanted to check, is there anything that I've said so far which has brought up a question or, or maybe I've, because I've had to go quite quickly through this, anything that's been a bit confusing with what I've said? Um, just, just questions, yeah? So the question is from a lady who's, who missed the beginning of the talk, asking how do we engage somebody to start with? Um, we can um, engage somebody by simply asking them, um, you know, maybe if it's a friend or somebody we know um, on this topic, you know, what do they think it means to be pregnant? But for the purpose of this, this exercise and this workshop, we're actually talking about everyday situations when this topic might come up, but in a, in a looser way. So somebody might say... Um, you know, what if you're, um, oh, you're Catholic, so you think that, um, you know, if, if a woman gets raped, she has to continue her pregnancy. Or, um, you know, maybe you're somebody who's doing something pro-life, like you say, outside an abortion centre. Maybe you're standing there with a poster um, directing people to help that they can get. And someone says, oh, you know, you're a man, what do you know about this subject? Or, you know, um, if, we, if we don't allow abortion, the world's going to be overpopulated. We, we've all heard these kind of important and more nitty-gritty questions. And the point of, of what we're talking about today is that we don't get sucked into talking about them before we've established that firm foundation of what it means to be pregnant. Um, so it is, it is important to look at how we can start a conversation, but this is particularly looking at when a conversation starts, but it starts at the wrong place because someone else is, is directing the narrative. And it's very important for us to take back that direction and direct it in a way where we know where we're going. Um, so I hope that maybe answers a little bit. And obviously when we run our Rethink Abortion Days, we do look at how to initially start the conversation ourselves and making those opportunities. Um, but that's maybe a topic for another day. Um, any, any other comments or, or questions, sorry? So, so come in, um, the, the question that we've been asked, if what if somebody says it has a potential for life? Okay. So, so um, again, what we were talking about earlier is when someone says something has a potential, first of all, we draw their attention to that because when somebody talks about potential, they're talking about what something could be in the future which to a certain degree 
isn't actually that relevant to what we're talking about. We want to know what it is now. So I would draw their attention to the word um, potential and say, you know, potential is what something could be in the future. I want to know what you think it is now. And if they say, I think it's a group of cells, I would say, and, and what would we call that group of cells? Because, um, you know, if we're talking about a group of cells, a group of cells could be um, a skin cell. It could, we're not even talking about humanity, so it could be an aphid. That's a group of cells. You know, we need a little bit more specifics before we can continue. So maybe it would help, be helpful first if they, if they seem to be really struggling, say, well, maybe to start with, what species are we talking about? Um, we all know, um, this isn't what we'd say to them, we just ask what species, but we do all know that humans only procreate by creating humans. So they would have to acknowledge that we're talking about humans. Also, sometimes it's helpful at this stage to say, what does science say? Because science acknowledges that right at the moment of conception, um, a, a, an organism is created, and that's the name that we give to this group of cells, is a human organism, a human being, okay? And if somebody really kind of refuses to answer that, I'm just going to say it's a group of cells and, and nothing more. I'm not going to say what that group of cells is called, what they make up. It does actually maybe show us that we're not going to have a productive conversation. That This person is probably in what we'd call a state of denial for, for various reasons, and that's not to be disrespectful to the person we're talking about. But if somebody really wants to deny what science tells us, this isn't something to do with um, religion, this isn't something to do with politics, this is a, a purely scientific statement. We're not placing any value on the human being at this stage. We just want to acknowledge what science tells us, which is at the moment of conception, a new human being, a complete human being is created. It's still growing, so it's not the same as me, but then I'm not the same as a toddler. A toddler isn't the same as a newborn. They're different stages of development. And we do need that acknowledgement before we can move on. If we, if we don't get that acknowledgement, we might have to respectfully, you know, obviously question why, but bring the conversation to an end because that person, if they're really in a state of denial, it won't go anywhere. And it maybe could be good to kind of think, why is there such denial? Maybe that person is, is really hurting from an experience themselves. Maybe they think, oh, if I acknowledge it was a human, then I then have to recognize that you know, my abortion involved a human life. Um, and that's a really hard thing to, to accept and acknowledge. Um, so maybe it could be worth just drawing the conversation to an end, but maybe just mentioning like, an organization like Rachel's Vineyard, which helps anyone who's been hurt or affected by abortion in any way. Um, but it, is, it isn't productive to carry on if somebody kind of refuses to acknowledge the humanity of the child at that stage. Um, and because I don't want Ben to have sat all this time listening and not had a chance to share his part of this, I'm going to pass over to Ben, who's going to talk a little bit more about when we've answered those first two, the A and the B, what we actually do when we get to point C. So, Ben. Good afternoon. <clears throat> I hope you don't mind uh, someone without a uterus having an opinion on this issue. Um, so then... We now come to point C. This is the big question. Um, without sounding repetitive, yes, but we are going to just quickly get the person at this point to repeat back, or we help them repeat back, point A and point B. So, so far, now we've got to this stage in the conversation. Point A is, what does it mean to be a pregnant? It means that at the moment of conception, a genetically complete living human being has been created distinct from both mother and father, or 
repeat back what the person has already said that is a human being inside um, the womb. And abortion is the intentional ending of that human life. So now is the big question. Is that right or is that wrong? Is it okay to intentionally end a human life or is it wrong? Now, this is when we're probably going to have the, the tough questions which we avoided at the beginning and said that we'd address a bit later on, now brought back out. So, for example, we might have something like, well, what about if the, if the mother is in dire poverty and she's got two children already and another one would just create so much financial burden and it'd be such a stress on that woman? Or the case of rape, what about if it is the case of rape? Well, what we need to do is we need to address these issues with a fresh strategy. And I know there's strategy after strategy coming on here, but hear me out. <laughs> so now, we need to... What we need to do is we need to um, address these issues. But one thing that we need to know in the back of our heads all the time is that whatever issue gets brought up here is not the real reason as to why they think abortion is okay. The real reason is that they don't value the life of the pre-born child in the same way as a born child. So, for example, um, what could happen here is that... <coughs> We, we bring out this new strategy, which is called trot out the toddler. So whatever the situation is, we create a parallel situation, but use a toddler instead. So, for example, if the person said the, the woman is in dire straits in finances, we'd say, well, can you imagine I've got a toddler here? And the mother has now hit rock bottom financially. She's got two children already and she can't find the money for the next meal or can't support these children. Is it okay for me or her to end the life of that child? Or let's take the issue of rape. Imagine I've got a toddler here and the mother has just found out that the result of the rape that she had was this child. Initially, they first thought it was her husband's child, but now they've come to the reality that actually it's the child of the rapist. Is it okay to end the life of this toddler simply because she'll be reminded of that rape every single day when she looks in the child? Well, then, the person's going to come back and say, well, it's different, it's different because all kinds of different reasons. It's different because, well, it's just a small, it's just a small embryo, or um, the child is just not developed enough, or it hasn't been born, hasn't felt pain. Whatever the reason is, they will give a different reason. And we call this now the sled test. So whatever difference they give will fall into four categories. The sled test, remember that. Size, level of development, environment, and dependency. Do you want me to, uh, size, level of dependency, environment, and, no, sorry, level of development and dependency. So let's have a look at some of those situations. So if they said that it's different because the, the embryo is, is just a small clump of cells, well then, we have to look at, yes, and acknowledge, yes, it is a small clump of cells, but what kind of clump of cells are they? 
at the moment of conception, a genetically complete human living being has been created. We've already accepted that. And a toddler is a lot bigger than that clump of cells, which is an embryo. So is it okay to end the life of a human toddler simply because they're not an adult? Hmm. Well, no, not at all. So therefore, our value as a human person cannot be dependent on how big or small we are. Or they might say that the baby can't think yet, or they might not be able to um, uh, rationally think, or they haven't been developed properly. Well, again, we look at the comparison with the toddler. Has the toddler... Um, will the toddler... Is it okay to end the life of the toddler simply because they are not developed in the same way as an adult? A, a newborn baby will not rationally think. So therefore, is it okay to end the life of the human baby because they can't rationally think the same way as an embryo? Of course not. So therefore, our value cannot be dependent on how, how, deve how developed we are as a human person. Or they might turn around and say, well, it's different because the toddler has been born and the embryo hasn't, or the fetus hasn't. Hmm. Again, we go back to our toddler. Is it okay to end the life of the, the toddler who lives next door to me, who's wandered into my garden and even decided to go and pick my favourite roses? No. So therefore, if our value as a human doesn't change from moving from one destination to another outside of the womb, why should our value be um, any different when we move from inside of the womb to outside of the womb? Surely our value as a human should be hinged upon being human. And we've already established that at the moment of conception, a human life has been created. Dependent, yes. So is the question then, does, uh, how do you use the same argument with someone who has... Well, again, is our, is our disability then dependent on, on whether or not, how valuable, how valuable we are as a person? So then there's a, um, a, great, a great little story of um, this beautiful girl who was born with a rare condition. Um, and this condition was the fact that she could not feel pain. And this poor girl, beautiful as she was, um, had to wear gum shields in her mouth that she became a toddler. And because the reason is that she kept on chewing her tongue, she kept on chewing her lip like bubble gum because she couldn't feel pain. Likewise, if I... If the embryo, if we say that it's okay to end the life of an embryo simply because it can't feel pain, then is it okay to end the life of this beautiful girl who, who equally can't feel pain? No, because our value is not hinged upon whether or not we can feel pain or not. It's, it's hinged upon being human. And I think what we've got to get around each time to this, to this simple point that we all believe in human rights. And the most fundamental of all human rights is the right to life. But we shouldn't have, the only qualification that we should have for 
human rights is simply by being human. We don't have to try and be human. We are human, so therefore we get rights. I hope that helps in some way. Pardon? Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so, so for example, the the point of maybe someone who who's, who says, I mean, like, what is a disability? You know, uh, exactly. So, what? How do we? Who is it that is defining what a disability actually is? I mean, people say that um, Down syndrome is a disability, but of course it isn't. You know, someone who has Down syndrome you know, it's just as equally valuable as anyone else. Absolutely. Simply, again, because it's rooted in human rights and being human. Um, I'll come back, okay? Um, the, the, the last point I would say, then, in the sled test would be the, the dependency argument. So someone might turn around and say, well, look, the, the human fetus is solely dependent on the mother. So, therefore, the mother has the right, then, to... Um, to choose what she wants with that person who's inside her, who's totally dependent on her. But let's have a look again at our toddler or a newborn child. You know, there is our legal responsibility for a parent or guardian or dependent, <laughs> you know, to, to look after that person. So, again, our value cannot be hinged upon how dependent we are on someone else to provide for us. Our value is rooted, again, in being human. So, yes, so SLED is size, level of de development, environment, and dependency. So when we have a difference of why it's okay or not to justify abortion down to... Um, rather than killing a, a toddler, rather than um, a pre-born child, then it will fall into one of those four, four categories. We have to be as clear as we can when we're talking about um, sled trotting out the toddler. And we have to remember that the person who's in front of us um, personally could be affected by abortion, or they may not, or may have indirectly been affected by abortion, we have to now recognize that the person in front of us is not someone that we want to, to destroy with an argument. It's someone that we want to love. It's someone that we want to reach out to and help guide, and guide them towards this truth in a loving way. So, how are we doing for time? Just come up to half past. So, is there any, any other questions on... on Trotting out the toddler or sled? Yes, please. To going to do in what sense? Sorry. Yes. Right. Um, well, it's, it's, it's very surprising, actually. Like we, we, we speak to lots of people um, outside abortion centres, and so often um, when we speak to people, <laughs> one of the most common things that comes out is, 
you know, I am a Christian, or I was brought up a Catholic, or, you know, I do have some faith in God. But it's amazing what happens to a person when these hard cases come in. Um, into play and, and this is why we need to minister to people and, and, and reach out to their hearts and, and bring them towards this truth in a loving way. I think that it's extremely important that when we are talking to people um, we, we really do recognize you know, the importance of reaching out to that heart, reaching out to that person in a they're not someone that we want to destroy. They're not someone that we want to win over, get one over on them. They're someone that we want to help get to heaven, essentially. That's how God wants us to use, uh, um, to use us speaking to other people. And this is why it's so important that we have not only our, our minds informed, that we have all the answers to these questions, but our hearts formed as well. And one of the ways in which we can do that is we can, we can listen to different people's testimonies. If you go onto to our, our website, we have hundreds of, of testimonies of women who have been personally affected by abortion, who have received healing. Um, there's also Rachel, who's next door, giving a testimony, sharing her testimony as well. And she, she has so many people come to her and, and have their lives transformed through the, the grace of God through Rachel's vineyard. Are there any other questions at all about sled or, or trotting out the toddler or anything like that or anything that we've brought up today? If not, we've, we, have, um, we have lots of um, inserts and leaflets here. So we have a leaflet called um, Time to Rethink Abortion, which outlines our, our ABC approach to having meaningful conversations. And then we have lots of these inserts here which have the, what we call, they call the hard cases like should abortion be legal or is it a man's, um, is it, should men have an opinion on, on abortion or what about the case of rape and so on. And it gives you like a, a way in which you can help um, communicate these different tough questions um, with these people. And look, we have lots of these leaflets on our stall over there and we can give some out at the end here as well. So just, so just for the benefit of those listening in on, on the radio, if you go to marchforlife.co.uk, um, you can see some examples of these. And obviously, if it's something that you want, just get in touch with us um, by email and, and we can always send you out um, a little package with some of these leaflets in. It's a great way to, um, to learn how to talk about it and, and just how to rethink it ourselves. Um, but as I say, if you are interested, do consider coming along to one of our Rethink Abortion training days. This was a very kind of brief overview of it. And I just hope if it's, if it's one thing that you take away from this is it's the important of doing, importance of doing the groundwork before you have those nitty-gritty conversations. Um, because if you and the person you're talking to, talking to don't agree on what pregnancy actually is, any further conversation won't end up being productive, trust me. It, it will end up not being very meaningful. So try and put in the groundwork first. Um, and that also means doing our homework and practicing this so that we become a bit more fluent in it, ready for those occasions. Um, and also just a final thing to say, please do join us at March for Life on Saturday the 2nd of September in London. Um, it's going to be a huge day. Um, you can, again, you can find all about that on our websites. Um, there's some leaflets on the chairs for you. Um, but yeah, go to our website and do join us. There's people coming from all over the country, um, thousands of people, and we'd love to see you there. So thank you ever so much for, for being with us today. We've got a question. We have a question. Um, for those of us that were here, what do you hope for us to take away? Can we bring... 
Can you do training days in our parishes? Can you come to our schools to do training days? Or do we have to go to London? Can you, as a, as a catechist, I'm like, ooh, I want you to come talk to my students. But, but let me... Yeah, great question, and thanks for asking. Um, so, yeah, we do go to various places, hence the fact that we're at New Dawn today. Um, we give talks to, you know, basically, if, if we're asked to go somewhere, there's a, there's a group of people that really want us, we'll do our very best to come and, come and talk. Um, and these Rethink Abortion Days do travel around the country. Um, you know, the first one happened in Birmingham. We've traveled up to Scotland and given Rethink Abortion Days there. You know, we need a good amount of people to run them. But if you think you can help get that amount of people together in your area and we can find a venue, we'd be happy to work with you. We'd love to work with you. So please drop us an email and give us your ideas. Um, tell us where you want us to come and, and we can look at doing whatever we can to, to make that happen. Thank you. Oh, Ben's got one more thing to say. And if you've got any young children here with you at this uh, conference, we're also doing um, uh, a youth workshop tomorrow as well to help uh, the younger people um, discuss this issue as well. So if, you've got any, if you're here with any teenagers, we are doing one, I think, 3.30 uh, tomorrow again. And I'll be with Rachel as well, so lots of things. So you've had practice, so you're going to be the like, leader. Check them out there. So thank you all for joining us today. Those listening on Radio Maria, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to sign off for Radio Maria.